Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Today, my guest is Matthew Mackay, Operations Director for Pinstripe Inventories. Morning, Matthew. Good morning. Thank you for coming in. Thank you very much. Now, Pinstripe Inventories um, was founded in 2009 by Dominic Bargeton. So do you want to tell us about the history and growth of the company to where it is now? And because um, you've got several branches mm-hmm. across Scotland. Of course, yeah. So he started the business in 2009 and we met at university. Um, we soon... After that initial stage in 2009, we opened an office in Edinburgh, and that was kind of our first larger kind of operation when the kind of concept kind of went into kind of full full business. So our, one of our first clients was Woodstar. So Chris Wood owned that. I think you'll oh, yes, know him. Oh yeah, portfolio. Yeah, and then Flat Company was another kind of our larger agent that we brought on at the very start, and that then allowed us to hire a few staff and kind of got things underway kind of properly, where we kind of felt like we were a, a real business, not just kind of couple of guys, guys kind of get started out. Um, we've got one franchise office which is, covers Perth and Dundee. Um, we have looked at kind of franchising before and we think it is an avenue for potential growth in the future, but we're just kind of focusing on Scotland at the moment. We opened our Glasgow office in 2014. That was off the back of a, a tender process with Countrywide. They had a large volume of work that they wanted to outsource and we, Pinstripe, won that tender. So that kind of helped us set up the Glasgow office and kind of got us underway there really quickly. We kind of focus on really trying to get letting agents as our client base. We've kind of set up the business and our staff appropriately so we can take on large volumes of work. We do still work with private landlords and we're more than happy to take on that work. But from our business development kind of point of view, we try and target kind of larger letting agents. We like to be an extension of a letting agent's business. So if they've got kind of Two, three thousand properties. We'll be the kind of sole provider of their inventory products. So we'll do the start of tenancy inventories and end of tenancy checkout reports. Um, we also we find we're quite a, a good stepping stone for people looking to get involved in the property industry. So we don't. I mean, experience in property is always useful for someone starting with a business, but we don't specify somebody has to have had a, a property job previously. So we've kind of positioned ourselves. So people do come through Pinstripe and often move on to jobs with with letting agents, estate agents, that kind of thing. It's something we're quite proud of that a lot of the the staff who've come through Pinstripe now work with some of the agents we work with or kind of work within the industry that we're kind of aware with as well. Yeah, and that's kind of pretty much where we are today. We've kind of had a few changes over the past few years after COVID. It really kind of let us take stock of the business and kind of what we wanted to get out of the business and make sure it's enjoyable for everyone who works within the business from from the inventory clerks right up to kind of the the, the top management as well so we feel like at this point in time the business is running kind of exactly how we'd want it to run it's a good job for everyone who's involved in the business and yeah we're just kind of working through it as we are right now great so did you say so have you been with the company since the very beginning so obviously you said you met dominic at, at, at uni so, because um, I believe, did you both study? Because I, I think you studied fine art at Aberdeen, so was that the same as Dominic? No, so he mm-hmm. he definitely studied a subject more in tune with the property industry. He studied business at university, but we <laughs> uh, we were putting halls together in, in, in first year, so we kind of, we knew each other from kind of day dot with the university. 
he kind of had plans to kind of start a business after university. I was still kind of trying to pursue art in some form. Mm -hmm. um, but in all honesty, I wasn't getting very far <laughs> with that. And what he was doing seemed really exciting to me. So I wasn't involved kind of from the very inception of Pinstripe. When things start to get moving um, with the Edinburgh office, that's kind of when I started to get involved more so. Mostly on the the software side of the business, but so I had a kind of more of a hobby in kind of software design and kind of that kind of side of things. So at the time when he started, there wasn't really much in the way of kind of off the shelf software that was useful for doing doing the job. So that's how I kind of started my my kind of pinstripe career was designing the software that was used to produce the reports. At the same time, we were still really small at that stage, so as well as doing that, I was going out to properties and, and producing reports as well, which did tie in very well with actually creating the software that's used to produce the reports, kind of gave me a great insight into kind of what was required. So did that for a year or two, and then as the business grew and we, we had more people on the ground kind of doing reports, there was a requirement for more of a kind of managerial role kind of operations side, looking after kind of the staff and kind of the, the clients, that kind of thing. So that's when I kind of moved into more of a managerial role. And in 2016, I think, I moved into a director role. Okay. So what year did you start properly then? How long ago was that? 2010. So just the year after, just it, kind after. Of, yeah, when I kind of started to dip my toe in and kind of with the software side of things, I would say it'd be 2011 when I kind of was fully part of the right. business at that point. And it's not something I kind of expected to be doing when I was at art school, painting, mm -hmm. painting pictures, but I've really kind of come to love the industry and enjoy the kind of the job. And it's a lot of it's to do with the people that are involved. Some, some of the clients we have, or a lot of the clients we work with, have been working with us for kind of 10 plus years now. We've got a really good relationship with a lot of the letting agents we work with. And also the people that work within Pinstripe as well. It's just a, at this moment in time, it's a very enjoyable job and industry to be involved in. And you mentioned that you worked on um, a software solution for Pinstripe. So, you know, how's technology, how much, you know, how's technology changed since Pinstripe started then in 2009? Yeah, it's, it's changed massively and it's, a, it's something that we couldn't, we'd struggle to do the job without. The, the advancements in technology have really allowed us to kind of produce better reports and offer a better service and a um, yeah, better service to our clients. So... In the very early days, when when we started out, it was a probably an A4 size Windows tablet, about an inch thick, that weighed, <laughs> weighed a ton. <laughs> wasn't enjoyable to carry around the property. No. You'd have a, a digital camera separately and a dictaphone as well. You'd gather information in the property, go back to an office or go back home, write up the report from your notes, attach photographs. It was a very labor-intensive, cumbersome process to get a a finalized inventory report and um, the kind of introduction of like tablets like the iPad that kind of side of things really moved things forward um, and there became after they were released more kind of off-the-shelf software options were available for producing inventory reports and now we're kind of all the imagery clerks who work with us they're just using a, an iPhone and the application we use it makes it so simple or so if straightforward to record the information um, and take loads and loads of photographs. Mm -hmm. So going back to 10 years ago, you'd be lucky if there was 30 photographs in the report just from the limitations of software and storage, that kind of yeah. side of things. But now a two bed 
flat would be kind of 300 plus photographs just because it's so the software makes it so straightforward and the, the storage capabilities is a much better product for agents. Well let's talk about inventories themselves um, for those that are you know maybe thinking of becoming a landlord or for landlords that don't use an inventory specialist um, what's detailed in a professional inventory is it's, it's more than just a report. There's still some kind of common misconceptions especially if a a landlord comes to us and kind of to, to ask about our service. One thing we still hear quite regularly, if we always kind of our pricing is based on if it's furnished or unfurnished and kind of size of the property. So if we ask, is the property furnished or unfurnished? A lot of landlords will say, well, you don't need an inventory for a, an unfurnished property. Think kind of thinking <laughs> it's all about the the contents, contents. counting cutlery, that kind of side of things. Where in reality, it's much more. It's much better use of time to record fixtures like flooring. They're much more expensive parts of the property, and if they're damaged, the costs are going to be much higher than if a spoon goes missing. So, so, yeah. so that's kind of we're always happy to kind of to to work with landlords and kind of let them know about the process and kind of what's actually involved. Even if they don't end up using our service, we'd like to kind of educate people so they can can do a better report themselves or kind of offer a better product for for their tenants as well. Um, so the reports themselves, I won't kind of go into the nitty gritty detail of kind of what's involved, but we kind of, utility readings are a kind of big part of it. Agents, landlords use that to kind of set up their accounts at the start of the, the tenancy and end of tenancy. Um, we focus heavily on the cleaning side of the property. It's one of the kind of, I think it is the biggest reason for deposit deductions in Scotland is, is cleaning issues. So. There's no point in doing a detailed inventory of the condition of the property and not mention if it was clean or not, because then at the end of the tenancy, you've got no leg to stand on and, and they don't know if it's clean or not. Um, so that's focused heavily on as well. And then it's just a kind of step through process, the condition of all the fixtures, all the contents, a description as well, and then extensive photography to back up what's in the written word as well. So the end goal is always to avoid any reason for dispute at the end of the tenancy. Um, a big part of it as well, once the report's done, is making sure you engage with the tenant and make sure they're engaged in the process as well. There's no point doing an inventory and not sending to the tenant or, or not kind of making sure they, they do get a look over it. I think you do now for deposit purposes, you do have to show if they've not signed the report that you did attempt to get them to kind of to look at the report and sign the report as well. So. The systems we use make it very easy for tenants to to engage with that side of things as well. And once you've kind of once you've done a comprehensive report, you've engaged with the tenant and they've had a chance to go through it and make any comments on it as well. There should really be no reason for for arguments or disputes come the end of the tenancy. They had their opportunity to say how the property was at the start, and really it shouldn't yeah it should avoid any disputes. Yeah. So well, well how long then does it approximately take to say complete a say a two bedroom flat? A furnished two-bedroom yeah, flat. Yeah, so we um, we normally kind of allocate roughly ninety minutes to that in a, in a clerk's diary. So our clients will book their services through through our system, and it gives us kind of details on the property, mostly kind of basic number of bedrooms, if it's furnished or not. Um, we yeah, we tend to allocate ninety minutes for that for a clerk. That gives them plenty of time to do the report, check keys, utilities, that kind of side of things. Saying that, we've, we don't, apart from properties we've been to before, we've no idea what we're walking into. So we might think two bed, easy, 90 minutes. And it turns out, yes, it's got two bedrooms, but it's got three reception rooms, uh, annex with a granny flat and uh, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's, it was the best one in the world. It's not, not saying 
Yes, it'd be nice if agents gave us that information every single time, but agents are really busy, have so much going on anyway. We can't expect to be given a kind of breakdown of the whole, right. the whole property. Not, not every time anyway. So there are the times when we do arrive and it's much more of a much bigger job than we thought. But that's kind of, we've been doing this kind of almost 15 years now. We, we understand part of the, the job and the industry is expect the unexpected. We, we always have ways of kind of navigating around that, possibly taking a job off a clerk and giving it to somebody else kind of thing. We, we make sure we allow them time to get the report done properly, even if it is a mansion that will take take, take all day. <laughs> but that's we're just part of what we're kind of we're used to kind of just dealing with those kind of as they come. We had one in, in Perth recent up in Perth recently that was a four bedroom, but it did have several kind of reception rooms, had some Jack Vetriano paintings on the walls. It was a very, wow. very grand house and um did take much longer than expected. But it's those kind of things that are enjoyable for the clerks as well. These they kind of surprises. They've been removed these paintings for <laughs> rent. But I think it was written into nice the lease or something gosh. to do with them. But I, I would be reluctant to trust tenants with, with expensive paintings. But um, this, it was a beautiful house and it, it, it was very interesting for a clerk to kind of go through the process for recording just, that. Yeah, um, it's sorry. Yeah, no, go on. I just bet, so just hearing, obviously, just um, different types of properties, you, the, the inventory clerks must enjoy this side, just seeing so many different properties. I think, I think that's one of the most enjoyable parts of the job, and that's, I think, why we've got some of the clerks who worked with us for kind of seven plus years now. It's kind of, we, we realise there will be turnaround in our staff and, and people will want to move on to other jobs in the property industry, but we do have some kind of long-standing inventory clerks, and I think one of the things they do like is they're seeing different properties every day. Sometimes it's these luxury high-end properties, million pound properties. You do get the worst ones as well, the, the, the less attractive kind of one bed kind of studio properties where, they, where they're kind of run down, but that's kind of part and parcel of the job. Yeah. And, um, I won't kind of, in case anyone's eating right now, I won't talk about kind of the ins and outs of it, checkouts, especially of during course. during student season, mm -hmm. not tarnishing students with any kind of brush, but we do see five, four bed properties. They're kind of not left in the best condition and we do find all sorts of things. Um, sometimes funny things as well. We, we did one last year where the property was actually left in really good condition. It was like clean, it was immaculate, but the clerk opened a cupboard door and there was a life-size cardboard cutout of Gary Barlow in the, in, the, in, the, in the wardrobe so they opened to see his face there staring at them so I think some tenants and, and like, kudos that. to the tenants it's kind of <laughs> it, they kind of know the process and so sometimes we do I think they leave things as a kind of joke or a surprise yeah. for us the, the, the sad thing is we have to record it and then they probably will get deposited <laughs> deduction oh, for no. that being removed but we had a good laugh when it happened yeah, at the time but... yeah, yeah. So, well, just on a more serious note, can you explain the, the importance of using a professional inventory specialist and, and in what way it obviously benefits landlords, agents? Of course, yeah, the kind of things I've touched on before and it, I'm conscious of it not sounding too salesy, as in there's no requirement to use an, a professional inventory company, as in landlords can produce their own inventories, agents produce their own in inventories and do it in-house and that, that still happens now. So I think the main thing, as long as it's done comprehensively, you cover the whole property, try not to be biased, as in if the landlords producing it themselves, obviously there is a, a, a personal attachment yeah. and, and they'll be <clears> thinking, 
I hope this is left in a good condition at the end. But it, that's where kind of an independent company comes into its own. We've, we've got no affiliation with the property. We get paid the same if it's in great condition, if it's in poor condition. We just go there to record the facts. So that's kind of where it stands out, I would say. Um, but definitely anybody with the kind of in the right kind of mind and kind of with the right tools can produce a comprehensive inventory report. Um, as with anything in life, you can, with a professional, we do these reports day in, day out. Our guys kind of produce four or five reports every single day, kind of throughout the year. So compared to somebody doing it on one or two properties kind of across a couple of years, we know what we're doing. We're yeah. kind of experienced in the industry. We do thousands of reports every year. We speak to agents all the time. We just have a much better understanding of kind of how the full process works from deposit to kind of deposit repayment at the end. So we know what the reports need and have to have in them to make the deposit return process easy. So it's that side of things that, yes, somebody could read a guide online and kind of do, do what they can, but they don't have that kind of background knowledge of the industry and kind of what these reports are used for kind of thing. Um, we have seen, we've had kind of calls from landlords asking us to do a checkout report because the tenants have left it in a state. And then we asked them, did you get an inventory done at the start? And they go, no, I didn't think it was necessary. So I think it's, it's as, I mean, we've probably all done it when we were younger. You, you don't get insurance for your phone until you drop your phone. <laughs> and then, yeah. then, you buy, then you buy insurance. But yeah, there's, there's landlords who have loads of good tenants and think they'll never need an inventory report. And it just takes one bad one. And it, rather than paying 80 pounds for an inventory report at the start, they don't. And then there's thousand pounds kind of plus for, for a deposit mm. kind of issue. So, is that kind of side of things that it's there to protect the deposit and, and protect your property and if it's done right it should it should do those jobs okay because well pinstripe inventories also conduct a mid-tenancy um, inspection report so can you tell us more about this yeah of course so we we do offer several different types of reports um, most of what we do is the, the start of tenancy inventory and the checkouts we are called pinstripe inventories and that's kind of how we started but as the business grew and, and we brought on more large letting agents, we realised that they would, well, they would rather kind of outsource to one company rather than kind of having several different contractors to do these types of reports. And there's some that we can do when we're in the property anyway that we can kind of add on a kind of additional reports as well. So it made sense for us to kind of start offering um, other services as well. Midterm inspections, a kind of key component component of a, a tenancy and something that's kind of almost as, as valuable as kind of a comprehensive inventory. Um, if you're kind of checking the report, sort of checking the property regularly and, and checking for maintenance issues, that kind of stuff, you're going to avoid lots of problems come the end of the tenancy. So we do offer an inspection service. It's something we don't overly promote. We find just through experience and over the years, agents who do outsource their inventories and checkout reports, they tend to like to keep the inspections in-house just because it's an opportunity for the, the PMs to actually get eyes on the property. If we're the ones going in at the end and the start, they might kind of lose some of the connection with the actual physical property itself. So a lot do keep them in-house, but we do offer the service, especially off the back of COVID, there was a huge backlog of inspections that were kind of, weren't getting done because access to property was a problem. So we stepped in and kind of helped out a number of agents kind of clear backlogs of inspections. Um, we now, because we're so busy, especially during the summer months between kind of May and September time with with and checkouts, we now tend to offer the service between October and April just to kind of help agents <clears throat> yes. kind of in the off peak season, and it kind of it helps 
us as a business as well because it kind of helps um, level out the volume across the year as well kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so uh, do you want me to go into the ins and outs of an inspection? <laughs> inspection or, yeah, or, actually yeah. that would be really helpful for those that don't know, yes yeah, please. Yeah, so it's, the main thing is just to to make sure the tenant's looking after the property and, and look out for potential maintenance issues as well. Things that kind of could could have longer term damage to the property or things that may become a problem at the end of the tenancy. So our guys will go in, um, normally when the tenant's present, but we can go kind of with keys as well. It's, sometimes it's it's easier for us to go without the tenant there because then you're not kind of having to kind of take their kind of things on board as well. You can just kind of assess the property as it is. Yes. That's kind of what we do with the empties and checkouts. We try to go on our own because we are independent. It kind of allows us to to not be affected by an external kind of um, noise. But um, but the, t the tenant is there is useful because they can kind of pass on information that will feed back to agents. Um, things that might not, might not always be visible, but things like maybe the shower was leaking, that kind of thing, we might not see at the inspection, but a tenant can pass on to us and we can feed back yeah. to the agents. Um, as long as the tenant's happy, we'll take a couple of overview photographs of each room. That's just so the, the letting agent and the landlord can actually see the property and how it's being kept. Most tenants are fine with it, some would rather not, which is absolutely fine as well. And then it's just really looking for any signs of potential issues, maybe damp or kind of mould starting, or maybe the tenant's got like a, a study that's kind of rammed full of wet clothes drying that could potentially be a, an issue kind of further down the line, that kind of thing. And we'll gently and kindly say to them, like maybe not, not a good idea to kind of have all your wet washing in one claustrophobic room, but yeah. it's it's really just to make sure they're keeping looking yeah. after the property and and so there's not specific things you know like for I think it's silicon around showers where you can get leaks. It's a specific key things that always cost over yes, time. Yeah. So is there any kind of yeah thing that you would specifically look? At? Obviously the things you've mentioned, but other things within say kitchen areas, bathroom yeah, areas. Yeah, so that that's a. a Silicon's a good one, and we will kind of, if it looks like it's starting to get mouldy, that'll be definitely something we, we flag up. It's easier to kind of get on top of those things sooner rather than later. Um, we do check for things like signs of smoking, um, signs of um, pets that aren't kind of, that weren't part of the lease. And um, does that happen often? Is that something pretty, more common than... It's pretty common. I, mean, I think there, there's talks of legislation changing where t more tenants should be allowed pets, but at the moment, um, I think it's written into a lot of leases that they can't have one can have pets so it's something if the agent asks us to we will kind of check for it and there's plenty of times where we've seen like a hamster cage a dog bed a dog bowl there's sometimes you're savvy who'll obviously tidy everything away things about something that we kind of that i wouldn't expect we see as much as we do is is looking for unauthorized occupancy and that's kind of like a if it's a two-bedroom flat that the lounge is being ah. used as a, as a bedroom as well. Mm -hmm. um, this all seems very negative towards tenants. That doesn't, it doesn't happen that, that often at all, but it's something we have seen um, in the past. And it's, it's, of course, something very important to flag up to the agent. If there is a, if it is a two-bed flat and there's clearly a third bed in the lounge, then you need to kind of look into that kind of straight away. Yeah, so, the safety um, as well in HMOs. So yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. HMO, so yeah. it's something that definitely agents need to be doing kind of regularly. I think they're quarterly or six-monthly. And it's to avoid any nasty surprises come the end of the tenancy. You want to kind of know the tenants are looking after the property and, and kind of enjoying living there, but not kind of breaking any of the rules of the tenancy agreement. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, as we've discussed, obviously inventories are now a crucial document to complete the start of a tenancy to protect you know, both the landlord and the tenant from complicated dis deposit disputes. 
So for those considering purchasing a buy-to-let, can you explain about tenancy deposit schemes, why they were introduced and how the deposit repayment procedure works? Yeah, of course. So they were, well, Pintrack actually kind of started mainly because we knew the, the legislation change was coming in to do with deposit, deposit schemes. So historically, maybe deposits weren't kind of held in the right way or were kind of used for things they weren't supposed to be used for and, and to kind of try and regulate that part of the industry and make sure um, the deposits were still around when the tenants came to leave the properties, it was decided that it would be better that a separate kind of body held onto these deposits so they were held safe and they could be released quickly come the end of the tenancy. Um, so it's now an obligation of, of all landlords and agents to, to lodge deposits with a deposit scheme. I think the most, I think the only Scottish centric one is Safe Deposit Scotland. Um, who, um, on a separate note, they, they offer so much good advice on their website and, and, and so much guidance for landlords and agents. I would definitely, if you are starting your journey into being a landlord, definitely kind of run through their kind of case studies and kind of the, the, the advice they give because it's, it's invaluable as a, as a landlord, definitely. Um, so yeah, so a tenancy starts, you lodge a deposit with the deposit scheme, whichever one you choose. I think there's three or four available, I think, in, in the UK. Um, the the tenants are then kind of given, I think it's like a, a reference number to say that's your deposit kind of lodged and then they know it's kind of safely lodged as well. After that, there's nothing really to do with the to deposit until the end of the tenancy. And this is where kind of the, a comprehensive inventory really comes into its own. So when the tenant comes to vacate, the, the onus is on the landlord or agent to provide evidence. If they want to deduct anything from the deposit, it's, it's up to the landlord to kind of to say what they want and give the evidence for that. So a tenant is viewed as innocent until proven guilty, basically. Mm -hmm. So if you start the tenancy thinking it's going to be fine and don't get these things in place, you're just asking for trouble come the end of the tenancy. I'm sure most tenancies go ahead absolutely fine, but if there are any problems and you don't have the right evidence, you're going to get problems come the end of the tenancy. So tenant moves out, the, the landlord has an opportunity to, to say if they want to deduct anything from a deposit um, and that for the agents we work with that would be based on a checkout report, so cleaning requirements, damages, that kind of thing, that would all be kind of included. Um, if there's nothing to, that they want to take, the tenant can request a deposit back and I think it's normally within five working days they have that money back in their account. So it is a relatively slick and smooth process as long as both parties are happy and there's no reason for any deposit deductions, it's a quite a smooth process. And that's kind of where our reports come in as well. If a comprehensive inventory is done at the start, you should avoid any reason for arguments come to the end. There are, if you do get into dispute with a tenant um, and or with a landlord, there are dispute resolution um, processes in place. So if you think you're being unfairly treated on, on either side at all, the deposit scheme will mediate that that situation as well mm. it does it can kind of go on for weeks and weeks and weeks they say on the website I think between eight and twelve weeks so if you're a tenant looking for your deposit back for your next property it's going to really delay that process but also if you want to be kind of if you want the deposit dealt with fairly and you feel like you're not then that service is there as well so for landlords we'd always say get the get an inventory done or do it yourself comprehensive at the start and make sure the tenants engaged in that process and then you should never have to really use the deposit arbitration system at the end, it should be kind of straightforward.
I'm aware it's difficult to say the exact percentage of disputes that are resolved because a professional inventory service has been used, you know, that would otherwise result in an adjudication. But what do safe deposits say in relation to a potential case where a professional inventory was in place as opposed to a landlord's own inventory? They're very wary of kind of saying they don't say you have to get a professional inventory report done. They do say less weight will be put on a report produced by a landlord themselves. So when they when they get deposit deduction evidence sent through to them, if it is an independent inventory report, they'll kind of I think they'll kind of delve into that less so than they would with kind of a landlord's own report or kind of a, a less kind of structured inventory report. So although there's no kind of you're not forced to use an independent inventory company, deposit schemes do, and they do say that there's less weight put on kind of landlords submitting their own evidence. Um, so it's something to kind of definitely consider at the start of the tenancy is, even if you do a comprehensive inventory yourself at the start, it might be harder to kind of to plead your case come the end of the tenancy as well. Yeah. Right. Well, can you give an example of some cases that you may be aware of yourself that highlight how disputes can arise, but how easily they can be resolved when a detailed inventory is in place? Yeah, of course. I think, and this going back to an earlier question, the, the photographic element of the <coughs> inventory reports is such a big and helpful part of the process now, as in the written word is still the, the focus, and that's kind of what the deposit schemes say, that that's the most important part is the written word, but I think we can probably all agree that having the written word and then 10 photographs to back up that written word is so much stronger evidence. So, like I said, our reports generally, kind of, you're getting to a few hundred photographs for every single property, um, obviously more for, for a larger property, and along with the written word, they do cover pretty much all aspects. So. For example, a burn to a carpet that happened during the tenancy. You'll have the bedroom record. Say it's a bed in bedroom, you'll have the bedroom record in the report. The flooring recorded as good condition. Photographs that show the carpet in good condition as well. And then come the end of the tenancy. I mean, it does happen like a straightener burn or an iron burn on the carpet does happen. It's so with the photographic side of it. It's so easy to to look at the property before. Um, and see now there's a burn mark on the carpet. So there's really no room for kind of argument there at all. And especially going back to kind of engaging the tenants in that process, if they've had the inventory report, they've had their seven, 10 days to go through and add comments, and they've not put there's a burn mark on the carpet, then they've agreed to the condition as well kind of thing. So that's where it, it really kind of comes into its own. Our reports also, we record like serial numbers of appliances and that kind of side of things as well. So we've had plenty of cases where um, a tenant's maybe put in a different, I don't know, a different fridge or a different kind of washing machine during the tenancy and not with the, kind of odd to, but it does happen not with the landlord say so. Um, maybe for a kind of worse model or kind of a cheaper, cheaper one. one. And because <clears throat> our report will kind of have a photograph of the appliance at the start and it'll have a, a either a photograph or a written serial number as well, and the model number, it's very easy then to say that's a different appliance now. Um, where's that one gone? <laughs> well. yeah. It sounds strange, but it, it yeah, does happen. Um, so it's really, it's, it's really, yeah, it's so clear cut. When the reports are done correctly and, it, and there's extensive photography, there's really kind of no room for, for argument really, yeah. Well, there's recently been coverage in the media where a trade body has claimed that inventories are set to play a vital role in fire safety within the private rented sector. 
Why is this? Yeah, so I think I know the, the article or the kind of the articles you're, you're referring to, and it, it is something we've included in our reports for, for a good few years now, and kind of testing alarms, that kind of side of things. Imagery clerks are, are positioned really well to do it just because we're normally the last ones who go in before the tenants actually take occupancy. So there'll be various kind of contractors in, cleaners, that kind of side of things before we go in and then we're the last ones in. So we're positioned in the process perfectly to kind of test things like that just before the tenants go in. So that's kind of one kind of important aspect. So our reports will include kind of making sure the correct alarms are in the right places, a, a kind of a test of the, the audible alarms as well to make sure they're kind of all doing what they should do. And that's all recorded in the imagery report as well. So there's a clear there's clear evidence from the start that the alarms were all where they should be, that they're working, um, and that the kind of tendency is kind of set up to be as safe as possible in that aspect. Um, we've recently, we do offer kind of fire risk assessment reports as well. So it's kind of part of what we offer the business. And we've, maybe kind of a few months ago, we got asked to go down to like a, a holiday let development with kind of several cottages and flats to do fire risk assessments for, for service accommodation and kind of check soft furnishings, had the right labels, that kind of stuff as well. So there's definitely, with more regulation on the, the holiday let industry as yes. well, um, and the private rental sector, it's it's something we kind of have to take seriously and, and it just, an inventory provider is positioned at a good time in the process to, to test those things are working properly. And if they're not, then we will obviously flag it up to the agent and or, or landlord and it's something they need to get resolved before the tenant actually moves in. But um, yeah, I think I think the article kind of came from the view that it's just kind of it's all about timing and kind of when when that actually happens and and when the property is ready to hand over to the tenants. That is the ideal time to of do course. it. Yeah. So that's all been really helpful and interesting. But on a different note, um, you're a keen hill walker, and some of the Pinstripe team took part in the Water Aid Monroe Challenge last year. So why did Pinstripe decide to become involved in this particular challenge and, and which Monroe did you climb? Yeah, so it's, it's, I've kind of done hill walking for a good few years. I think a lot of, especially over lockdown, but I, did it, I was doing it beforehand, but I think you, people get to a certain age and they're like, it's time to walk in the hills, it's time to walk in the hills now. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what it is, it is yeah, it's getting escape from kids, again, escape from anyone kind of thing. Um, so I've been doing it for a few years um, and we've kind of, we were looking for something to do kind of, had kind of done all the bonding, going to a drinks, that kind of side of things, and it kind of going to the pub every Friday wasn't <laughs> wasn't yeah. cutting the mustard anymore. Um, and we were looking to do something kind of charitable as well. We did we did sign up to it a couple of years ago, but I think COVID stopped actually happening the year prior. I think so. We kind of we had it on our radar to do anyway. And after speaking to the team, a lot of people who worked with Pinstripe had a kind of interest in going hill walking, but hadn't done it before. So I thought. It was a good opportunity for them to kind of get involved in that and also um, do it for a, a good cause as well. So we did Ben Vorlick, which is near Loch Erin, like up near Stirling. I'd done it a couple of times before in kind of snow and kind of in, in good weather as well. So I knew it well. That'd be helpful, yeah. And I, just for people who'd not done it at all before, I kind of wanted to know my bearings um, just in case someone had any problem, problems, yeah. that kind of thing. We got an absolute scorcher of a day it was probably too hot to, to, to oh, climb right. there's a lot of sweaty bags <laughs> and, and ringing t-shirts but yes yeah. we had i think there was six or seven of us who went Good. up 
Um, we all made it up and, and down as well. Um, I think it was just a really good bonding experience yeah. kind of for the team. Obviously, it's for a good cause as well, but it was just a really enjoyable. And for me, who enjoys hill walking anyway, it was kind of just a nice day out for me and raising money for charity, <laughs> charity as well. Yeah, yeah. And then going back to your fine art degree, do you still do you still paint? Because it's painting. I do. A little bit. Um, I think with some young children, most of my artistic endeavours at the moment are drawing unicorns and mermaids for, for, <laughs> the, for them to colour in. So not really putting my four years to good use at the moment. Um, it's something that I've always been passionate about and it's something I was kind of, um, I think, not so big headed, but was naturally quite good at and something I kind of really took to at school. So, so went and studied it at university as well. Um, I do still draw when I get a chance, which is few and far between at the moment with two young children, but um, it's something I definitely hope to pick up again and kind of spend time on as kind of that side of things start to settle down. Yeah. Um, still try to go to as many kind of galleries and that kind of side of things to kind of keep on top of the actual industry. And it's something I think all, it seems all kids like drawing and colouring at a certain age. It just seems they all do for, for a certain while. and and. I think as somebody who is interested, I think it's important to kind of try and keep them interested in that as well kind of thing. So I'm hoping I can maybe live vicariously through my, my kid, kids Fantastic. as well on that, on that side. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, listen, it's been really lovely to meet you. Thanks. Thank you very much. I'm Gillian Sandler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk. Thank you.